You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. 1 John 1 verse 5, This then is the message which we have heard of him, and declare unto you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him, and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. In the blood of Jesus Christ, his son cleanseth us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Father, bless now tonight. I pray this brief thought and message will be a help to us. And I ask you, Holy Spirit of God, that you will open our ears and my eyes and our minds and hearts to the truth of the Word of God tonight. Thank you for the Bible. Thank you for the blessing we've had already tonight to hear God's music sung the right way, hymns to sing. And time to lift our hearts and voices to you in praise. But now may our minds get on the subject tonight, Father. We, we're already thinking about tomorrow, but help us not to do that. Some have come tonight thinking about this past week and what was entailed in that week. And I, I pray you clear our thoughts from that. Help us right now tonight to do something that's so necessary and just take these few moments and say, God, God, just do something in my life. And help this preacher to say what he ought to say and do what he ought to do. We ask in Christ's name. Amen. Please be seated. We believe in the eternal security of the believer. I said we believe in the eternal security of the believer. I said we believe in the eternal security of the believer. I said we believe that once you are saved, you are always saved. And that the moment you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have salvation. Full and free. And in that salvation, with that salvation, and as a part of that salvation is the eternal security of the believer. Sadly, some think that salvation and security are two different doctrines. Well, all, you know, we believe in salvation by grace through faith. But Brother Johnson, you have to understand not everybody believes that once you're saved, you're always saved. Everybody that believes the Bible does. And here's the thing about that tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, you have to understand, when God saved you, he sealed you. He secured you. He put his stamp upon you. He claimed you as his child, kept by the power of God, ready to be revealed at the last time. Sealed by the Holy Spirit, a promise ready, the Bible says. You know, you understand that now. In fact, in our scripture tonight, did you see it in 1 John 2, 7, the eternal security of the believer? It says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, watch this statement now, cleanseth us from, what does it say, church? All sin. Not some of it. Jesus didn't make a down payment. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. So that means when he paid for our sin on the cross 2,000 years ago, he paid for 
all of our sin. He paid for sin you hadn't committed yet. He paid for sin that's still in the future. But his blood cleanses us from all sin. Not my works, his blood. Not my efforts, his blood. Not my labors, his blood. Not my baptism, his blood. His blood cleanseth us from all sin. Once you're saved, you're secure. You're kept by the power of God ready to be revealed. Once you're saved, you're secured. You're sealed by the Holy Spirit, a promise. Once you're saved, you're secure. You're so secure you couldn't give up the salvation you didn't deserve to begin with. Now let's be clear about this tonight. A person can come to accept Christ as their personal Savior by faith and great by grace and faith in Christ alone, have salvation, be taught after that that you could lose your salvation and come to believe a false doctrine, but it doesn't affect your security. But you can't sit under preaching that tells you if you don't live it, you lose it. And then ask Christ to save you and you've got works in a part of your thinking, you're not saved. That's why I'm finding I'm leading a lot of so-called Christians to Christ. Because they go to these churches that believe you, you can lose your salvation and they sit under that kind of preaching. And when they go to accept Christ as their savior, they're, they're, they're trusting Christ, but they're also thinking, but if I don't live right, I lose it. You put works to anything Jesus did on the cross and you don't have salvation. So let's look at this tonight very briefly before I get to the subject this evening. How do you understand your salvation? When you think back over when you trusted Christ and you got saved. Now listen, I'm not nitpicking and I'm not trying to get you to doubt your salvation. Friends, you can't shake mine. You can't have it. You can't mess with it. I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. I'm not trying to get anybody to doubt their salvation. I want you though to consider this. The Bible said in 2 Corinthians, examine yourselves whether you be in the faith or not. Prove your own selves. In other words, think about this. When you say you got saved, did you understand what you were doing? Not de- we're not talking lordship salvation, none of that kind of junk. And that's junk. It's false doctrine. You have to make Jesus Lord of your life in order to be saved. That's works in and of itself. I don't care how long you've been saved. You haven't made Jesus Lord of your life yet. That's a progressive thing. No, I'm not talking about that. Look at me. I'm saying when you trusted Christ as your Savior, you, you made that day, that was the day you understand you accepted Jesus Christ to save you. Did you understand what you were doing? And understanding that, did, did you, by faith in Jesus alone, Ask him to save you and nothing attached to it. Look at me. Maybe that's why some people have such doubts about their salvation. The whole book of 1 John is about the eternal security of the believer. But it's also about assurance of salvation. Five chapters on it. You break it down. There's so many different statements in here that help people to understand. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. It was written to people who had already made that decision so they could know that and be certain. God doesn't want you to doubt it. Ladies and gentlemen, security is not licensed to sin. Security is the, the ability of a child of God to be able to serve God purely out of love and devotion. You know, maybe they should start asking us, why don't you sin and you believe in eternal security? Maybe they should start asking us, why do you go to church? 
You're not here tonight to go to heaven. You're here tonight to say, thank God I'm going to heaven. That's a big difference, but it's huge, isn't it? Now you can say to God, I will do what you want because I love you. I will do what you want because you're good to me. I will do what you want because you gave me the unspeakable gift of salvation. You know the old illustration about when they built the Bay Bridge over here and as they were building it, they were finding that the workers, when the uh, structures were up, workers were falling to their death and the work ground to a halt. And what should have taken a brief, um, less uh, period of time was beginning to wear on because they had to work so carefully, fearful that they would fall and die. Someone came up with a net process that they put underneath the bridge where the workers were. And the work picked up and sped on because then they could work knowing if they fell, the net was there to catch them. Your eternal security isn't there to give you license to do wrong. It's there to give you that net to know I'm still a child of God here. And you go on for God. You can truly serve God because you love him. So we believe in the eternal security of the believer. Is that good church? Then let us consider this tonight quickly. There is something about the eternal security of the believer we must be careful to not allow. And that is this what I'm going to call tonight sinning against our security. Now, once again, nothing can change the eternal security of the believer. However, there are some things about us knowing once saved, always saved, that cause us to sin against the security God has given us. It's in 1 John. Look at it tonight. Hold your Bibles open. Look at verse number 6 and 7. If we say that we have fellowship with him, and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. You know what sinning against your security is? It's sinning against your fellowship with God. See, your, your relationship's secure. That's where your security is, your relationship. The fact that once you are a child of God, you are always a child of God. Huh? Once you are born again, you're always God's child. Always. To many as received him, to them gave it power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. But fellowship is conditional. Ah, but we who know that I'm saved and secure, we walk in darkness sometimes and we lie and do not the truth because we know we have relationship, but do not value fellowship. Oh, we're saved. We're secure. Wonderful. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. Why don't we value our fellowship with God as much as we value our relationship with God? Which is most important, relationship, fellowship? The answer is yes, both. But we ought to treasure as much as we treasure our salvation and the God whose power keeps us saved. We ought to value the fact that when I do not do what God wants me to do, I am severing my fellowship with God. I still have my relationship secure, but my fellowship is affected now. I, I can, I can, now I can't go to God and pray like I should. Now I can't get a hold of God like I ought to. My fellowship with God has been hindered because I sinned, but you see, only people who have eternal security <laughs> understand the relationship fellowship uh, situation that we have with him. But how many times have we, who know, have we who know we have security sin and say, well, I know I'm still saved though. And then we just walk over fellowship with God. 
We don't value the fact that nothing could be our, between our soul and our Savior. Yeah, but see, once I'm saved, I'm always saved, Pastor Johnson, so I don't have to worry about that. No, you, we don't have to worry about salvation, but we ought to be concerned about, about our fellowship with God. We ought to be concerned about something's grieved in our spirit, in our life, and we know it. But we know, after all, I'm saved, Pastor Johnson. I, I don't have to worry about my security. No, you don't. How about your, how about your fellowship? How about that day-to-day, walk with God, read your Bible, pray, and know the Spirit of God is working in you. You know, it's fascinating, and what happens after a while, we get backslidden, and then we blame our church, our, our situation with God. We think we have to go get some kind of different situation. That's why Christians today, so many of them, they're running to these uh, slop, I call them sloppy agape churches. You know what I mean? BB spitting, die, flag waving jobs where they go, and they tingle, and they feel good, and all that kind of stuff. And they got the whole light show. They're going for a, they're, they're trying to substitute personal fellowship with public worship. And it's not worship, friend, when you open the door of hell and bring Babylon into the house of God. But Christians are okay with that today. It's amazing to me. How can you sit there and know the Holy Spirit of God is grieved, but you felt good about it? It's too much about our feelings today. One of the things I did right before I retired, I told our folks, I said, I don't care about your feelings. I'm a jerk. You see, he doesn't care. No. No. You order a hamburger today, and the waitress goes, if that's what you're feeling today, I just want a cotton-picking hamburger, man. I mean, there's nothing about a feeling. You want to know how I feel? Put a stethoscope on my stomach. It'll tell you how I'm feeling about this thing. I just want a hamburger. And it's all about people's feelings, how they feel about something. But, but no, 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 no. How about this? How about the fact that I know I'm saved? But I also don't want to break his heart and say yes to what grieves the holy God of heaven, quenches the Holy Spirit's working in my life. And now my fellowship's not right. So what I need, obviously, is, you know, now I'm bored with that church and the preaching stuff and all that. I, I need to just go someplace where I can just sit there and get a little entertainment, a little pat on the popo, send me off to my champagne and scrambled eggs, and that's my Christian life. No, my friend, what's valuable, what's precious, what's, what ought to be of a great estimation in our lives is this. I can open my Bible in the morning and know everything's all right between me and God. I can call his name and it's just there. He's walked with me and he talks with me. And I spend time with him. You you see, you sin against your security when you sin and you think, but it's just my fellowship, but it ought to be more than just my fellowship. It ought to be, I don't want to sever anything with God. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. Isn't that, isn't that precious to you? Fellowship. You, you and God. There is nothing we can do in, 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 in corporate worship. There's nothing we can do together as a church that can be as valuable and as precious to us as our personal time with the Lord. Where we just open the Bible and God comes and meets with us. As much as this church has helped and blessed me in my life and ministries and different things that you have done. There are times when I've opened my Bible and I say, God, something got, something's got to happen today. Please. Please, God. You got you to help me today. No, we grab our phones. 
We check our, our social media sites. We check the mail. We check the news. We check the information. We check everything else. And our God is just standing there waiting for us. Well, Pastor Johnson, you have to stand, understand how it is here in the Silicon Valley. Yes, I know it's Silicon Valley. Thank you. You have to understand how it is down here, Pastor Johnson. You have to understand the kind of life we have to live and what we have to do. I don't care where you are or what part of this planet you walk on, my friend. The truth of the matter is there should be nothing as precious and valuable to you as that time when you open your Bible and the Spirit of God takes that book and ministers to your soul and you call on the God of heaven and he lifts you and he strengthens you, he encourages you. Hey, comforts you sometimes, gives you a little kick in the seat of the pants every now and then, that's good too. And then after a while you get your heart right with God and then everything's good. Oh, that's precious. We sin against our security when we sin against our fellowship with God. Look at verse number nine. It says, as we quote this verse many times, of course, if we confess our sins, he is, what's the next word, church? Come on now, what's the next word? Faithful, Faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Sometimes we sin against our security when we sin against the faithfulness of God. He will never leave you or forsake you. He'll step back until you get some things straightened out. But yet he abides faithful, the Bible says. It's amazing how God never gives up on us. He's the father in the prodigal's parable, you know, who's waiting, looking on the horizon for the footfall of that prodigal to come home. That's our heavenly father watching every day for us. Oh, that's him. Oh, he is Faithful. You read the book of Hosea, and there's a little backstory in that book about how God comes to Hosea the prophet and says, I want you to marry this woman. Her name was Gomer. She had a cousin named Andy and Opie and Bart. No. Uh, I want you to marry this woman named Gomer. And, and he said, and God said, she'll be an unfaithful woman to you. And Hosea was in, in those minor prophets preaching when trying to get Israel to get right before, the, before God sends judgment on the nation. And so Hosea is on the street corner preaching to the people they need to get right with God. On the other corner is his wife walking around and spending time with other lovers. And people are watching this and they're thinking, well, what's that all about? And as Hosea continues to preach and time goes on. Then his wife could not find lovers so she began to sell herself as a prostitute on the street corners. He's on one corner preaching that God's people need to get right. She's on the other corner selling her body for money. And people are looking at this going, man, what's that all about? Then after a while, the years pass, she can no longer sell herself. Her body is broken. Her health is destroyed. She's literally racked, and they take her to a local slave market, and she's to be sold as a common slave. But nobody wants her. And then God comes to Hosea and says, Hosea, I want you to go down and buy her back. And Hosea goes down to the marketplaces and, and marketplace and he buys her and he takes her home and says, you're going to be faithful to me now. And he brings her home and then people would come to Hosea and say, what is this? After all she did to you, you took her back? What is this? And Hosea said, this is what it is, Israel. This is what we do to our God. When we sell ourselves to sin and wrong, this is what we're doing to God. But dear people, listen, but God is faithful. God stays faithful. Oh, we know that. Great is thy faithfulness. Oh, God, my Father. We sing all those songs about how faithful God is to us. You know something? Faithfulness has two sides to it. Your side and God's side. Many a time, unfortunately, I've had to sit in the office with a couple, and one of them has broken the vows of marriage and cheated on their spouse. 
And oh, the hurt on the face of the one who's been wronged. Violated trust and love and all those things. And, and I think, how can you do that to them? How can you hurt them like that? But then we're secure, aren't we? And if we're not faithful, but God is. And boy, we depend on his faithfulness. But we sin against the security of the faithfulness of God because we take it for granted. We just know he'll, look here, he'll always be there for you. Whoever came with that expression, I wish I could kick him. I'm sick and tired of people saying that. Well, they're always there for you. No one is always going to be there for you but God. And God will always be there for you. Listen to me. He's the father waiting for you to come home from the hog pen. Oh, yes, he's the faithful man of God. Josiah standing on the street corner when, that, when his wife turns again. He is faithful. God is faithful. God is faithful. But we know that, don't we? And we know that if we do something we shouldn't, God will stay faithful to us. We sin against the faithfulness of God. We make decisions and choices about our life. Like we're getting today, so many, so many today, I know this is, not, this is not true here, but people today are just packing up and moving off. I'm a native California, just like your pastor. I'm gonna tell you something. I don't agree with California. I agree with the state of California. Detcher don't agree with this governor we have. But it's true in any local area. It doesn't make a whole lot of difference. I don't care if this goes over like a ham sandwich at a Jewish picnic. If all the light leaves California, we leave the darkness. Are you with me? Yeah, but you have to understand. No, I have to understand this. This is what I have to understand. I understand if you take out the salt, we are literally giving away corruption. Well, it doesn't make any difference, Pastor Johnson. After all, look how far California is down the tubes. Look at what they're doing. Look at what's happening. Look at the laws. Look at the situation. Look at that. Yeah, so here's what we do. Let's take off and leave the state and give it up to the weirdos and the wackos. I'm sorry I don't agree. But you don't understand, Pastor Johnson. I do. I'm retired now from pastoring. But I'm not leaving California. I'll travel and preach, but I'm living in this state. Now, I understand I'm in Redding, California. Our housing market and situation up there is different as night and day from this place down here. But quite frankly, they don't pay us to flip burgers what they pay you to flip burgers down here. <laughs> Everything is commiserate to income. All these people are supposed to be so economically minded. I wish you'd wake up. I'd also wish, now don't worry, I'm going to get off this in a moment. So some of you go ahead and put your head up. The truth of the matter is what I don't understand people is this. People think, well, I'll go live in Texas. So it's the Holy Land, right? I'll go live in Georgia. I'll go live in the South. I'll go live somewhere else. You know what you're going to find when you move there? Californians. That's what you're going to find. <laughs> Guy comes to my town the other day. I had, a, I had a whole license plate on his truck. Right next to it was a bumper sticker that said, tell everybody in California, Idaho stinks. Because <laughs> they're ruining Idaho. Look at me. You're going to pack up and go move somewhere. And in a few years, it's going to be another thing like California. And then you can't get back here where you are needed. Okay, that didn't go over too well. I don't care. I'm sick and tired of watching people. I got people moving out of America. This country is messed up, so I'm going to go live in Costa Rica. Really? There we go. 
There we go. Let's go live in the jungle and eat bananas like a stinking monkey. Yeah, let's do that. What do you say? Yeah, let's do that. Let's go live in another country somewhere. What, you criticize America? You want to do something about America? Stay here and do something about America. Now, this is not in the message. This was about God's faithfulness. I don't know how I got over there. 40 years of preaching, that's how I got over there. (laughs) Yeah, but I can serve God somewhere else. What's wrong with where you are? Okay, I'll leave that alone. But see, here's the thing. We're letting economics and politics make our decisions about where we live and what we do. I know that voting in California is like, like shooting BBs at an elephant. I, I understand that. I don't love what my state is, but I have to love California. Well, God will be faithful wherever I go, Pastor Johnson. You know, that's the tragedy in a sense. He will be. And then what? We sin against our security when we sin against God's faithfulness. Verse 9 again it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to what? Forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Number three, we sin against our security when we sin against the forgiveness of God. We quote this verse, right? I guarantee you didn't even have to look at it when we read it, read it tonight, right? You could just quote it. Because, you know, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we know, and we know that when we sin, we go to God, he will forgive us. He is faithful, that means he always will. He is just, that means if he forgives anybody, he'll forgive us. I mean, that's incredible. We claim that promise, we stand on that promise, we know that promise is true, and then when we have security, we say, yeah, but then I can, I can ask for forgiveness and he'll forgive me. And he will. I remember as a kid in public school, I, I was born in Pittsburgh over here in the East Bay. I remember in public school, we'd go to the, to the uh, cafeteria for lunch. And you'd bring a little quarter with you, drop it in the tray. And the lady would say, on Friday, she would say, hamburger or fish? Because the Catholics had to have fish on Fridays in those days. I think they got rid of that and a whole bunch of other stuff too. But, um, and so my buddy standing there, I knew he was a Catholic, and he said, I'll have a hamburger. I go, hey, oh, oh, oh. You, you can't have a hamburger. It's Friday. You're not supposed to eat meat. He goes, hey, it's no big deal. I'll eat a hamburger today. I'll go to confession tomorrow morning, go in the booth, tell that dude what I did. He'll say, you're forgiven. Walk out. I go, wow, that's a deal. <laughs> no guilt? Really? You mean you just go in a phone booth, tell some guy who dresses like a mother and calls himself a father what you did and <laughs> Swami Salami, all you guys get off the grass and warm, you got it? I mean, what, what, what? I've been going to the wrong kind of church, man. You got to be kidding me. I go to church, I get, they make me feel guilty for not singing hymns. I think I'm going to hell because I'm, I don't sit up and pay attention for goodness sake. This cat's eating hamburgers and getting it wiped out on Saturday by going in a phone booth. And I'm thinking, well, maybe I can just go in the phone booth and get business taken care of. And we think of that, well, that's ridiculous. That's as ridiculous as you and me when we sin and we know we can be forgiven and we sin knowing we can be forgiven and we're sinning against the forgiveness of God. 
We got some Catholic thinking in our Baptist living. Yeah, well, you see, Pastor Johnson, you have to understand. I, you don't have to teach me the theology of forgiveness. I got it. I just understand this. There are times in my life, this is maybe just me, and I'll confess my sin to you tonight. There are times in my living where, you know, people, they get on your nerves after a while, preacher. They get on your nerves. <laughs> they do. I mean, I walk in the store and somebody, I mean, you get aggravated. And somebody's just bending over to pick up a sack of beans, and I just want to kick them right where it counts. I don't even know who they are. Then there are these people who come, I'm for everybody coming to America, but somebody teach these folks where the gas pedal is on an American car. Unless they're driving like a Prius, I understand. Because you got to keep it under a certain amount of miles to get 82 miles to the gallon, certain speed, right? After while, look at me, after a while you're just sitting on top pushing with your knuckles anyway. I mean, you might as well just get into things. Yeah, you read your Bible, you get God all over you, you get in your car before you can get to the end of the street, there's some fool gets in front of you, it's got nowhere to go, no hurry to get there, and <clears throat> you speed around him, you get to church, and what happened? They pull in the parking lot right next to you. <laughs> but don't worry, God will forgive me. <laughs> and forgive me what I thought about that fool in the car. Oh, hey, brother, how you doing today? This older couple, they're both in heaven now, they used to live down the street from us, and when they... <laughs> They would literally sit in their driveway till I drove past their house. They wouldn't get in front of me because <laughs> they knew I was going to tailgate them and whoop, zoom around like that. They're wonderful, gracious Christians. But God will forgive me. It's just like, you, you see, you got a soccer game this week? Two? That's fascinating. I thought you guys played sports here. But anyway, I... <laughs> Kick a ball, kick a ball. That's the kick a ball. <laughs> Run around, kick a ball. Two and a half hours and get excited about one point. Are you out of your mind? <laughs> Thank God you didn't go to school with me. We used to beat people like you up just for the fun of watching it go down. You think God will forgive me for that? No, I just told the truth. The truth is... You ever just wake up and say, whoever messes with me today better have major medical. I didn't even got out of bed yet. Huh? You ever wake up grouchy? Ladies, you ever wake up grouchy? I'm talking about your husband. You ever wake up grouchy? Yeah. Brother Cole, where are you at, Brother Cole? Engaged to this young lady? Huh? Remember this, marriage is like phone call at midnight. First you get the ring, then you wake up. So here's the thing. It's a wonderful thing. And in the back of my eternally secure doctrine, I'm tempted to do wrong, but I think, but I can get this cleaned up. God will forgive me. Well, he, that's not sincere, Pastor Johnson. Can you show me sincerity in here? If we confess, confess is homo legate means to agree with. I have to agree with God. Does he have to crawl, beg? I do have to agree that what I did was wrong. That's true. My contrition is not a part of the forgiveness. It's just an agreement with, okay, God, I did wrong. I am sorry. I was wrong about that. Boom! You are forgiven. Amazing. Isn't that amazing? Huh? Just scared the soccer players. I'm sorry. 
I, I was going to stay and have fellowship over there, but maybe I better just go back to the motel. <laughs> but then I ain't worried about soccer players either. So the truth of the matter is, here's the deal. How, how crude can we be to look into the face of a faithful, forgiving father and say, yeah, but I'm going to do this anyway because I know you forgive me. Yeah, and if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Please stand this, this evening for a moment, would you? Now, maybe you've never done that before. Maybe you've never sinned against your security and didn't value your fellowship. Stay where you are. Maybe you, you've never done that before where you, you sinned against the faithfulness of God because you knew you were secure. Then you stay where you are. And maybe you never took for granted the amazing forgiveness of God when you sinned because you knew you were secure. Then you stay where you are. Otherwise... We have invitation. We ought to just bow our knees and hearts to God and say, I'm sorry, God. I thank you for eternal security, and I am sorry. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.